This is Law Enforcement Leadership with Dr. Jack Enter. For over 40 years, Jack has trained law enforcement officers all over the world and has learned some valuable lessons that he's passing on to you. For more information about Jack's speaking schedule, go to jackenter.com. Okay, Jack, so last time we talked about the four factors of effective leadership, what makes leaders effective or ineffective, and there were four factors that you had mentioned. One was training, the second was perceptions, the third was accountability, and the fourth was fear. And you had talked about how all of those things, whether people, uh, how we implement those things, really impact how effective people are as leaders. Um, and today we want to talk about the, the society at large, right? The society has changed. So some of the challenges facing law enforcement has changed. Um, what, do you want to just go ahead and talk about that real quick? Sure. You know, when I became a police officer in 1972, we, we had crime and there's always been crime. But we're seeing it change, and it's gone from primarily where in the past it was a very small percentage of people who were predatory that when you arrested them, they had been arrested 20 times before. They had a long history of criminal behavior. Uh, We did obviously have uh, drug problems, alcohol problems. But now we're seeing uh, not only is the alcohol and drug issue more pervasive, but the violence is spontaneous. It doesn't make any sense. Um, We now see forms of violence that we've never seen before. Road rage, uh, stalking, um, workplace violence has become uh, a common thing for uh, our society. The school violence. Uh, it's interesting, surveys of teachers back in the 60s, they asked them what they were concerned about, and it was chewing gum, talking in class, uh, kids being in the hallway without a pass. Now it is uh, murder, assault, um, and much more combative, violent uh, behavior. And this is being seen in many areas of the country. And as we look at why people are effective or ineffective. We can also apply this in a way to what's happened in the culture. We mentioned training, that we have to train um, human beings. And if you think about the animal kingdom, and I've actually been in uh, Africa and other places where you can see that an antelope is born and an hour later it's running because it has the ability to learn and quick quickly adapt to survive. Human beings are much different, and they require training, and that's the Solomon quote, train up a child in the way he should go, Um, and they require training. And the primary way that we train is through relationships. If you think about the skills issue and the relationship issues, think about how that's changed in the American culture. Very little adult modeling now compared in the past. If you look back through human history, Uh, The primary form of training was done by the parents simply because you passed on um, through your children or even your grandchildren. You were part of the the old it takes a village thing. You were taught 
uh, right and wrong. You were taught skills. You became a farmer because your father was a farmer or a cobbler because you worked for a master cobbler. All those things were done. Now we have very little adult modeling comparatively um, where people now uh, do not have adults in their lives that do this. The other thing that has been amazing is, is that play has always been an important part of a child's life. And uh, I remember as a child, there were two major punishments that would be inflicted my way for not doing what I needed, for what I was doing wrong. One of them was obviously corporal punishment, but the other one was very interesting. It was that I was restricted from going outside and playing. And I remember uh, literally volunteering for an additional spanking uh, because I was going to go outside, we were going to be playing ball, we were going to build a fort, because in that social environment of outside, we learned our social skills for the workplace. So, so what you're saying is that these changes in society, you think, are directly related to some of the same factors that impact leadership. And you're, so you're saying the training... That the parental involvement in training has really dropped off in the last several decades, right? And that's what you're saying. And then also, part of that training, as you've mentioned before, is those those peer relationships where you're trained by the, sort of the accountability of having to work with other people, right? And having to do that. And so those changes, people have become more isolated. Absolutely. They're not trained by parents. Absolutely. They're also not trained by peers in, in the same way that they used to be. And they're not playing outside together. Right. They can kind of customize their environment right. to suit their comfort and their what they want, right? You think about it that if you, if you are around very young children, infants, their whole focus is themselves. I mean, that's the way we are born. But we learn that that's not real life. Um, and when we play, we and think about wearing a crown, being a little king or a little queen, well, you learn that if you do that, no one wants to play with you. No one likes you at school. Um, that no one wants to put you on the team with them. So what do we do? We subdue our pride. And it made us realize that life is about relationships and the ability to do things with other people. And all of that has pretty much gone. 95% of children do not play outside. Um, and as a punishment, that would no longer be valid. I imagine parents going up to their child and say, you have you're not going to be allowed to go outside and play. The child in bewilderment would say, I have no intention of going outside. What, and possibly, what would I do outside? Uh, you look at, even when they do play, uh, it is now very self-focused, where uh, in the past, the only team that got the trophy were the winners, and now everybody gets one. So it's, you're never, no one loses. And that's unfortunately not real life. Uh, they can't, uh, they're not learning about disappointment. Uh, they're also learning about life second-handed now because they're because what they learn is through the media and through social media. They're not learning how to deal with real people. So, so they're learning it from from these media, from these other means, but not from ex the experience of actually working with other people. Is right. that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. You think about uh, even like bully 
being a bully. Uh, when I was a kid, we had bullies, and they had the physical presence to back that up. Now a child, um, which children can be unkind, and we were all made fun of, but now on a cell phone or on a computer, you can be incredibly cruel to people um, because you're not there. So it's all vicarious in a way and second-handed. Um, and you remember we used the example, I think, in the original podcast, Show Me Your Friends and Show Me Your Future, that basically we are developing a society that has no friends. Um, I remember after Columbine, somebody made a comment, said, beware of the, I think it was the loser or the, um, the undesirable and person because they, as they retreat into themselves, they can be very dangerous. And, and, they're, and they're not basing who they are on the feedback from others. So they become worse and worse. And that's what we're seeing. Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting when you say that because um, how often do, if you're angry about something that somebody, a perceived slight, you know, and, and when you are left to yourself to just stew on that thing, you get more and more angry until you actually go and talk with the person against whom you had the beef, right? <laughs> right? And and you start to, when you engage with that person, a lot of times that anger will dissipate as you realize that either your perceptions were wrong or it's different. It's interesting, right? In the online right. environment, people are just fomenting uh, anger and bitterness and hatred. Um, and because without that face-to-face interaction, it, that kind of softens us. Yes. It really, yeah, so that's really interesting. You, you think about this too, that you only had so many kids to play with. So you fought with them, but then you made up, you forgave, made up, and moved on. Why? Because there's only five kids in the neighborhood. So you learn to do that. But now, because of social media, you have 2,000 friends. And if anybody doesn't agree with you, you write them off. And again, it reinforces this, it is all about me concept, um, which is very dangerous. So that seems to lead right right into the next uh, factor here, right? So the first factor was training, which was training by parents, training by peers, and the modeling. And you talked about how show me your friends, show me your future, and the influence of all of that, um, the impact that further isolation and, and social media has had on our culture. And that goes into um, perception, perception of yourself, perception of others, and perception of reality and how that impacts your really just your effectiveness as an individual, oh, <laughs> but as leaders as leaders as well. So how how has that impacted our society? The the problems that you're seeing today. If you really think about it again, uh, if you're around two year olds, which uh, person you and I both know calls them vipers and diapers, uh, they are self focused. Well, what we're seeing for the first time. Think about this in human history. They're not being uh, taught that's wrong because of the lack of parental involvement, the lack of play, where you see the consequences of the fact that you lost your temper. 
in the middle of a game and the coach throws you out, whereas in a video game, you push reset or aggression is actually reinforced. So you are literally basing your life on perceptions that have not are not being challenged. We'll, we'll talk about accountability here in a minute. But so you, you don't know the real you because no one's calling you out, uh, including your parents, unlike they did when we were growing up. And isn't that interesting because uh, our society basically is saying that you're the only one that knows the real you, that your heart, let your heart lead you kind of a thing, right? And if Absolutely. anyone challenges your self-perception, I mean, man, you're going to, uh, they are to be destroyed, basically, right? Absolutely. A society is supposed to socialize human beings, and that has to be through other people. There's a quote, I forgot where it came from. It says, delusional thinking is not self-correcting. And because people have to call us back to reality, our parents, for most of us, Call us back to reality. This is not about you. Um, when you failed, it was because you didn't study in algebra, and now you're going to have to go to summer school. Well, when you remove that from them, again, it says that the world revolves around me. And, and, and we can complain about these people, but think they're basically living a delusional life that is very frustrating for them because they show up as adults and they do not have the skills of discipline and self-awareness and the ability to take a hit. Yeah, so then it looks like, too, that in this culture, they're not given the skills to do with that. They're also given outlets to kind of satisfy their desire for accomplishment through other means, like media and, and games and all that sure. kind of stuff, right? It was interesting. Let's talk about the game issue just very quickly. Um, they did a study of school shooters, people that went into the school and shot people. Um, uh, research that was done by Dave Grossman indicated that the average school shooter would outshoot the average police officer. Um, and they were very interested in why are these kids who've never fired a real gun until the day they go into the school, why were they so accurate? Well, as they looked at the games they played, and you were rewarded, you got the most points for headshots. And there was one school shooter, I don't remember the number of students he shot, it was seven or eight. All of the children were shot with headshots, which is, a very, is one of the most difficult shots to make. Um, and, and the average police officer qualifies every quarter where they have to shoot. The average school shooter was playing video games six and seven hours a day. And the hand and eye coordination with these, uh, simu- these guns that would use lasers or whatever sensors, they had developed such a hand and eye coordination that they were more accurate in these shooting situations than a police officer would be, plus the mental preparation of putting people down because these games are very realistic when you see the person's head explode and everything, that they were able to continue to shoot. So they're basically turning themselves into a killing machine through the repeated practice, way more practice than even the average military law enforcement person would have. That's 
pretty incredible. And it, I think interestingly too, um, so with the perceptions issue, so they don't have the training, they don't have the, the role models, they don't have good role models. They, and then they also have outlets to kind of entertain themselves and satisfy to a certain degree their person, their selfishness through, uh, media games, all that kind of stuff. They can go, they can go and take out all their anger and rage and that eventually they get tired of that and it moves on to bigger things. Right. So then, okay. So then what role does expectations have with regard to this issue of perception? Well, they think the world revolves around them because in the, uh, Many of them are raised by parents who won't tell them no. And if they uh, they get what they want, they're not required to do. There are not consequences. Well, what ends up happening is, again, you go back to this two-year-old. They're never taught out of the two-year-old stage that you can't throw tantrums, you can't do this, you can't do that. Uh, I don't know if you saw this the other day that there was a report about a 15-year-old boy had put on social media he was going to go kill, shoot and kill people at school. Um, I think he said there were seven of them at least he was going to kill. And when he was arrested for this, his mother said, well, he's just a child. Um, But the excuses that are giving, basically she's saying he's not responsible for what he did. And and again, I, I think of how accountability brings us back to reality, that this is not about you. Um, and, and there are consequences for not doing the right thing and for lying and for being violent with other people. Uh, and in 1960, or when I was a child, uh, if the teacher called your parents, um, there was nothing the teacher could do to you that was going to be as severe as the parent would. And now... Uh, the teachers are getting in trouble. Um, and instead of the kid, and why that's important is the kid is not being told they're wrong. You remember now, the word discipline means to train. So when you fail to confront, you are telling a person that what they do is okay. To not confront is to confirm. And so that's what's happening. And when the police arrest your son, um, and again, when I was a young police officer, I had to observe a assault and battery in my presence half the time when I brought a kid home. But now it is, why are the police picking on my child? And it's interesting that Solomon said the way of a transgressor is hard, that basically if you don't learn, you're going to continue to be in trouble in the future. You know, that is really fascinating. So with there's been no training or role modeling that's been positive, or at least it's been minimal for almost an entire generation, maybe even a couple generations now, right? So then that has impacted our self-perception, perception of reality, perception of others, and it's produced these expectations um, uh, of everything being revolving around me. Plus, there's been no accountability to any standards. So like you're saying, so people don't have this right view of themselves and that the parents have not held their kids accountable and that there's, and that when someone does hold someone accountable, they're seen as the enemy is basically what you're saying. Right. So even like parents, the difference where parents expect their kids to be responsible for themselves and to stay out of trouble. Now 
instead of that, the the blame they blame everyone else for their problems. Is kind of is that kind of what you're saying with this? Yeah, and 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 you know what? To sh- it's going to be kind of interesting to make this comment, but from a compassion standpoint, we've not cared for these people because what happens? They show up in adult life, and they're bewildered. Uh, they not everybody wants to date them. Um, no one wants to offer them a six-figure job, and they actually have to show up every day. Uh, think about it. Um, they have no skills. They don't understand why people don't talk to them, uh, or they don't know how to talk to people. Um, and I, imagine putting a soldier in a combat situation for which they were never trained to do. They were never trained to work with the, the other members of the squad, how to fire this weapon, how to um, use tactical skills, and yet people show up in adulthood totally ill-equipped or non-equipped to handle the pressures of life. And this, this uh, society in America is a very complicated, bewildering place, and so people show up, and all they know is they're not... They don't understand what's going on. They're not. People are not treating them as kings and queens. And what are the two responses to fear? Fight and flight. And we're seeing incredible violence. Um, and I had a friend coin this term years ago. He called it frustrability violence. That it wasn't predatory violence. It was, I can't take anymore. So you didn't use a turn signal and you cut, cut a person off in traffic, that's not a big deal. Uh, and when I was in London, I was speaking at Scotland Yard, and one of the British inspectors came up to me and said, can I ask you a question, sir? And I said, sure. He says, is it true in your country if someone cuts you off in traffic, you shoot them? And I said, yes, that's true. He goes, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. This is a simple traffic courtesy issue. I said, but treason demands death. And for a person who thinks they're a king or a queen, it is a big deal. And for people who've not been taught and socialized, and this is very important, if they still are lovers of self and that's all they know, they cannot handle these interpersonal issues. And so they go into fight and flight, and fight is aggression, um, we were talking about this. Uh, I, when I was a senior in high school, a girl, and I'm not going to use her name but in case she listens to this, but she broke up with me. Um, what I did was, as I kid, I listened to country music and I found another girlfriend. Uh, the reason was I had played on ball games where we lost. I didn't get a trophy if we weren't a first-place team. My parents spanked me. Uh, if I didn't, uh, when I failed Algebra two, I went to summer school. So life was hard, and you just had to do something else. So I didn't stalk my girlfriend. I accepted that this was part of life, and I moved on. Now you have a significant number of people in American culture that have never been taught. Uh, you just got to keep going. It is, they will, and they'll come after their girlfriends. They will, um, and because they didn't get a promotion, they will threaten their boss. Um, 
because their expectations have not prepared them. So there's a lot of anger, and that's, you know, I always think it's interesting when they blame school shootings on the fact that children pick on each other. Uh, they've been picking on each other since they were wearing, you know, saber-toothed tiger skins, and they that's just kids. But the issue is um, they don't know how to handle this. This is, like, bewildering. Um and so they respond through violence. And then there's the flight response that I just can't handle this. And they're depressed. Uh, the suicide rate is astronomical right now. Um, and the drug and alcohol issue. Uh, it was interesting. I was in two third world countries uh, last year. And I didn't see a drunk person. I didn't see a person on drugs. I didn't see any road rage. I didn't. See, now, I saw the worst drivers I've ever seen in my life, but no one was angry. And it was also interesting that, um, that I didn't see any mental health issues. People were genuinely happy there because their expectations are, hey, if I can get enough food for the family today, I'm good. But I don't expect it tomorrow. I have to continue to get back in the fight. And I've noticed when I've taken people with me to third world countries, they are surprised at how happy people are, but their expectations are so low that they just get out every day and do what needs to be. I'm not saying, and some of them live in incredible circumstances, but they have no expectations that I can get anything I want. And, and in America, whatever you give me, I want more the next day because we've been told that. And, and the point of it is, is the reality of life is not that way. And I feel bad for people. Um, you know, I, I hear a lot of um, criticism of the new generation. I feel bad for them. This is a bewildering, a bewildering life. And they're not been prepared. They've not been equipped. You remember we mentioned in training that it gives us skills, tools in our kit. You think of this: these young men and women um, showing up in life and their toolbox is empty. Um, video games aren't going to help you find a job um, or learn how to get along with people because in the video games you always win. But in real life, it's hard. And that's what I think... One of the things that we have to do is show compassion for the public because they, uh, they live in fear um, and frustration and depression because they are not prepared to show up as adults. Um, I've seen things that I will never forget, very sad things, tragic things, evil. I've seen evil. Um, but when I know I can come back into the company of men and women who care for me and have gone through much of the same thing, and when those people don't give me more drama to deal with in the way things are happening in the workplace, it allows me a safe place. Um, and also, when the place which law enforcement has an amazing mission and peer support, it gives me the strength to keep going back out. But if I come back in 
and there's a manager who is uh, micromanaging people and making arbitrary decisions and things that uh, cause stress in the internal environment, that I wasn't prepared for. I, I understand, and, and it won't take long as a police officer or a deputy or FBI agent to understand the world is an evil place, but I don't need to come back to evil and, and uh, arbitrary decisions. Thank you for listening to Law Enforcement Leadership once again with Dr. Jack Enter. Be sure to tune in next time as we continue to discuss the issues facing leadership and how to overcome them. You can listen on Spotify, Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Be sure to check out jackenter.com to order his books or to find information about Jack's speaking schedule. Thank you for listening and see you next time.